You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. This is James Edwards along with Keith Alexander on the 25th night of November 2023. We are now officially into the Christmas season here on the program, and we will celebrate that uh, with you and our invited guests for the remainder of the year. So sit back and enjoy uh, as it all unfolds over the course of the next uh, month and change here. And uh, to kick off the Christmas season, we welcome back uh an old friend and someone we haven't talked to in quite a long time but uh, i thought that uh having him on tonight uh would just make for uh, a wonderful conversation he is of course lucas gage and uh, lucas was honorably discharged as a corporal after four years of service in the united states marine corps during his enlistment uh, he served on the front lines of both uh, i guess we can call it the misnamed operation iraqi freedom in 2003 and then uh, the subsequent Operation Enduring Freedom in 2004, which I think, again, provides heavy weight to his opinion on the current situation in both uh, the Middle East and Eastern Europe. And so we'll say hello again to him now. Uh, Lucas, great to talk to you again and uh, a very early Merry Christmas. Yeah, James, good to see you again. Good to talk to you again. It's been a long time. And uh, unfortunately, I, I can't see you on X because you've been banned uh, like many <laughs> others uh, who have been banned. And it's uh I'm glad you did reach out to me, get into my website, so we can get back together on this and talk some stuff here. So, And that website, ladies and gentlemen, is lucasgage.com. You're going to want to make yourself familiar, uh, uh, more familiar with him and his work if you're not already following him on X. He's got a huge following over there, 200,000, right at 200,000 followers, and really just telling the truth uh, in a way that makes people listen. And again, well, we'll get to all of that. L Lucas, before we talk about your time in the in the Marines and, of course, your, uh, your opinions on uh, – such conflicts uh, that followed. Let's talk about your early childhood. Uh, you actually came here uh, in 1984, but you were born in Italy. That's correct. Yeah. So first of all, my, my birth name is Angelo John Gage, and some of your audience may remember or, 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 or be familiar with that name. So I was born Angelo John Gage in Italy in 1984, and I the first two years of my life was there, and then I came into America when I was two. And I've lived here my whole life. I have two sisters. I was raised Roman Catholic until the age of 23. Now I'm kind of like nothing. But, um, you know, I lived in New Jersey my whole life. And, you know, the typical Roman Catholic upbringing, Sunday dinners, go to church, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I did that whole spiel. And then uh, when, set, when I was 17, 9-11 took place. I don't know if you want to skip to that or should I just keep no, going? No, no, please. Yeah, yeah let's, yeah, let's go. Right. So I, mean, I think we story. could say... 
Yeah. yeah, traditional Italian American upbringing. You get here in 1986 at the age of two, and uh, we know yeah. those big families and all of that that you just mentioned. And yeah, we can go straight into your teenage years. Nine yeah, eleven, you're so, 17 years yeah, old. So, so, well, so I, I'm the kind of guy in the school who you know is a class clown. I, I wanted to make friends with anyone. And then, at 17 years old, I was at the dentist. Uh, I heard I heard on the radio a tower was hit by a plane. I said, okay, that's a very bad accident. And then a few minutes later, this, another tower was hit. I'm like, what's going on? That doesn't sound right. So it was clear to me something was happening to our country. Uh, and so when I left the doctor's office, um, I was able to go up to this place called Washington Rock because I lived in New Jersey. And the doctor was in Greenbrook, New Jersey. And my town was called Warren, New Jersey, which was above sea level on this like mountain side, if you will. And so Washington Rock is actually a famous uh, area where George Washington was able to look out into the new york bay area and see the british coming that's what he did his little look out there so i was able to see the uh new york skyline and just clouds of smoke while the towers were still standing so at 17 here i am watching our country attacked and i said okay let me go to my my sister i have two sisters at the time one of them was in a freshman and i was a senior and so i went back to the school just to check on her. are you all right she goes i'm fine and then i went home and i just watched tv i glued myself to the tv the whole time and uh, then I basically just sat there until the towers collapsed. They go, wow, all those people just died in there. And, you know, me being uh, Italian-American and I had some patriotism there, but also in my family, I had my grandfather. He was in the Air Force. He served in the uh, Korean War as a major in the intelligence uh, at the Air Force. And his father was a Marine. So we had we had uh, we had uh, people here in the United States prior. So my grandfather lived here. His father was from here, too. But they lived in Italy for whatever reason. My grandfather was stationed there. So that's where he met my grandmother, yada, yada, yada. So I was born there. My, well, my sisters were born in America. So I was naturalized as an American citizen over time. But anyway, so there's a history of service in my family. So I felt compelled to go fight the bad guys, if you will, uh, because... You know, my country was under attack, so I said, let me go. So I, I, I called up the recruiters. He said, look, you can't join at 17. Uh, you have to wait till you're 18, but there's something called the delayed entry program where you come, you sign up with us, you spend every Saturday with us until you go to boot camp, and that shaves off one of your reserve years. So I signed up for four years, and then four years reserve. Now it's only three years reserve. So anyway, uh, I went to boot camp four days after high school. So instead of going into the beach with my friends and doing one more last summer, huh of shenanigans i went right to paris island south carolina in the heat you know it was june it was june 26 2002 oh, when boy. i got there yeah so and you know you're from the south so you know i, guess, I know uh, what the south carolina feels like in june yeah baby. yeah yeah so paris island uh the sand the heat i mean we had sometimes we had black flag days where we couldn't even go outside um but anyway so i did three months of boot camp and uh you know that was an experience in of itself and I wasn't an infantryman. So when I got out of boot camp, I was assigned as a combat engineer. So a combat engineer, he does, uh, what we do is we do explosive ordnance disposal, mine sweeping, we build fortifications, barbed wire fences, sandbags, the whole shebang, right? And so uh, because I'm not an infantryman, I didn't go to infantry school. We go to Marine Corps combat training. So that's basically our Marine combat training, the basics of riflemen uh, throwing grenades and all the other stuff, just to, because all Marines are riflemen. We're not like the Air Force or other branches where you don't have to be training with these weapons. We have to all be riflemen. So we did the, I think it was like a month or a few weeks of that. And then after that, you go to your, you go to your MOS school. So MOS stands for mode of service. So my mode of service was an engineer, combat engineer. So I had to go to engineer school for three months 
to learn how to build stuff, you use deck cord, landmines, et cetera, right? all the stuff I had to learn. And then I graduated in like December, I believe it was, and then I got to the fleet, which would be like the career that I'm in. And I was in North Carolina, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So my, that's where I was stationed for my whole service. And so I was there, and, and then January, I got to the fleet. One month later, it was February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2003, deployed to Kuwait. And then uh, hold on right there. For, uh, yeah. Lucas, just one second, just to give the audience a little more background, uh, because I don't want to skip this uh, sure. as we move forward to your deployment. Uh, but you, you, you write that you underwent specialized training. You had, of course, uh, the Marine combat training, then engineer school. You graduated yeah. at the top of your class as a combat engineer, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, that's at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And then we move forward, uh, you're saying, into Valentine's Day. That's, uh, what, uh, about eight months after uh, your first day at boot camp, you are deployed. Correct. So it was 14, February 14, 2003 on Valentine's Day. I was deployed to Kuwait and we stayed there until like March 3rd or 5th. I forget when we got our orders to go into Iraq and we convoyed up from Kuwait into Iraq and we crossed the lines there. So that was day three of the invasion. So the infantry, the Air Force already went ahead of us. So we're engineer support battalion out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So we support the infantry, which at that point was a first Marine Corps division from California. So we were behind them and, you know, we went in there, you know, I was on a gun. I was, I was a 240 gunner on a Humvee and we had no gear. It was like, I had to use a, a wood pallet and then like supply straps, you know, cargo straps to strap it down. It was ridiculous to, to, to mount my gun to the top of the vehicle. We had nothing. We had no armor plates. Zero it was garbage. And so that's how they treated us. Wow. So we got in there. Yeah, and it was pitch huh. black. I had night vision goggles. Now I'm 18 years old now. I'm like, oh, this is cool. But Rambo, I have a radio. Marble Chip 2, this is Marble Chip 2 over. It's like, like, I, this is like a movie <laughs> to me, right? But everything's already blown up. Like everything's gone. Everything's destroyed. Like there's no one shooting at us. We're, everything's pretty safe at the point. So I'm crossing in Baghdad. It's like 3 a.m. Everything's pitch black. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a disaster what I saw. But um, so the first tour was basically the war itself. Our main mission uh, uh, that tour was to build medium girder bridges and IRB bridges over these canals that they, they blew up, these bridges they blew up. So Saddam's forces would blow up any bridges and crossings to make it harder for us. A medium girder bridge is kind of like this bridge that's made of like Lego pieces, if you will, not Legos, but you put them together manually with three people on each side. You build them up and then you launch them over the gap with a truck. Then the IRBs are these bridges that they uh, unfold into the water, and then you have boats that you have tugboats to put them together. You link them up, and then you could drive tanks over them, right? So in both cases, we're building bridges. That was our main mission. I think it was called Saddam Canal or something like this that we had to go over. I don't remember the name of it, but that was our main mission. And when I got there, that's when I saw dead bodies, people blowing up. A few Marines got killed in front of me, not from my unit. They were from, they were in an amphibious vehicle. They were infantrymen. Now, I personally didn't get any firefights. Thank God I didn't kill anyone. But my Humvee was hit by IED, but it didn't get hit technically. It went off, but it misfired. You see what I'm saying, James? So the cap exploded, but the IED didn't go off. We didn't even know what happened. We're like, what was that? And then when the guys went back to check it out, the EOD guys, the, uh, the uh, Explosiveness Ordnance Disposal guys, these are like the bomb squads. They're like, yeah, man, you guys are lucky that didn't blow up. That misfired. So I would either I would have been huh. dead or I would have been maimed. Man. Either way, it would have sucked. So I got lucky mm. there. So, you know, my first tour was the war itself. Uh, we had nowhere to sleep. We're sleeping on the ground. We're digging holes in the sand to go take a crap, that kind of thing. Like living a dirty life. The first 30 days, James, I didn't take a shower. My camouflage was like sand. It was like it was like concrete because of sweat in the sand. We all said that we're a mop gear. 
So we had our boots on, but then we had rubber boots on those boots because we thought Saddam had chemical we weapons. So we had the gas mask right on our side. We're wearing, you know, this, this yeah. zipper up thing. So it's like this whole, uh, just hot. You're always hot. You're always sweating. And so the sweat and the, and, and the, and the sand just makes your camouflage like stone. And my face was completely black. My knuckles were black. And I had like the, the goggles that I was wearing. You know, I took them off. I had permanent <laughs> white eyes. You know what I mean? I had this dark face. So I didn't take a shower until 30 days later when I arrived. And this is when the uh, the army had these containers, these ISO containers that were just showers. They're portable showers. The best shower of my life, man. <laughs> but, but you Not know, bad, but being, but being in that. that situation, yeah. Being in that situation, you know, sleeping on the ground, you know, freezing at night because believe it or not, the desert, it doesn't hold any heat. So it becomes freezing at, I was so cold. I was wearing my winter gear in the desert when I was on fire watch and fire watch is when you're up to make sure everyone else is safe. You got to take turns uh, watching the, the platoon or whatever, the squad, as everyone else sleeps, you take turns to make sure nothing happens. Someone's got to be on fire. Not everyone goes to sleep. You know, there's always a guy or two to, to keep guard. So we take three hour shifts, uh, me and these other three guys, so there was nine hours total, and I'd have to stay up at three. And I was freezing. I couldn't believe how cold it was. Because, again, the, the thing about Iraq is it's hot. But if you go into, like, a pot, if you go under a tree, it's way cooler. It's not like San Diego or something where it's, like, boiling hot and the air is hot. It's either hot with the sun or cold under the shade. But when it's at nighttime, it's just super cold. It was the coldest. Oh, my God. It was, it was, yeah, it is really interesting. So um, you're, you're yeah. over the – this is Operation Iraqi Freedom. You're, you're, yeah, you're describing some of your work. This is 03. And, and then I, I don't want to move too quickly but I because, I mean, it, just this alone could fill an hour, and, and it would sure, be riveting. Sure. But uh, you're deployed again, Operation Enduring right. Freedom in 2004, mm -hmm. because I want to move forward to, you know, listen, you're 17. You're feeling patriotic. It looks like your country is getting attacked. You, you have yeah. a, a history of military service in your family you 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 sign up as warriors do uh and and want to get out on the front um make uh, yourself your family your country proud uh, something changes at some point and we'll get to that in just a moment but let's fast forward if we could just very briefly and, and quickly i guess to operation enduring freedom this is your second deployment you're back over there um in 2004 and this is more of a humanitarian phase. So this is a this turned out to be six. The Marine Corps is not like the Army where you sit there for two two years or so. We go on for five six months. This was a seven month tour because our plane was late at the end. But this time we had an Al Assad Air Base. We had barracks. We had a gym. We had better food at the Chow Hall at the Iraq than we did at Camp Lejeune. Just so you know, because civilians were running the show KRB, they were called. Now here we're we're building. Uh, you know, we were getting rid of landmines clearing landmines, clearing uh, weapons, caches that we'd find. A humanitarian work, for example, if we saw that there was a blown up playground, we'd fix it for the locals, things like winning the hearts and minds of the locals. So the second tour was much longer, but it wasn't the war anymore. It was just sustaining and maintaining what was happening and cleaning up the mess that we started. And, you know, I started questioning, what the hell are we doing here? You know, because I started seeing a lot of oil trucks going back and forth. Every time I went in the convoy, huh. the opposite was oil trucks. And then I ran into these guys, these Blackwater mercenaries. They just do whatever they want. You know, they're in four by four Nissan trucks, backwards Nike hats, shades. They have no one, no one, no accountability. Doing, and they were doing some war crimes the first tour. But anyway, this time, who are these people? And they're making 120000 a year. And I'm making nothing <laughs> compared to them. So we started questioning, like, what are we doing here? You know, we play spades all the time. So much time wasted. Um, so the second tour was that, and we got back. But my ankle, which was, I had an injury. Very interesting. My ankle, yeah. 
uh, as I returned my second tour, I was put on light duty. He's like, look, you could leave and get a medical discharge, but you won't get your GI Bill. You got a year and a half left, Gage. Just stay here. I said, I'll stay. He's like, we'll put you on light duty so I don't have to do any marching, all the other crap. So this is the first time I was in front of a computer. So as a MIMS clerk, which is like military inventory, maintenance, whatever the hell acronyms, you know, they are in the military. Because we had, we had gear. We had boats to maintain. We had parts to maintain. So I was just like an inventory guy sitting in front of a computer. And I kept hearing about Fallujah. The Battle of Fallujah was so hard. And I wasn't in that battle. And I look up the Battle of Fallujah and I started seeing that we were using white phosphorus on people. I said, wait a minute, aren't we the good guys? Why are we using this chemical on people? And I started questioning things, James. Like, maybe we're not the good guys. So I started seeing these pictures of people being burned with this stuff. Like, yeah, oh, we're the, we're the bad guys. Yeah, this is where it started waking me up. And then, you know, fast forward to six months later, uh, the six months left of my service, a friend of mine, his brother sent 9-11 loose change. One of these conspiracy movies that you know, 9-11 was blowing up, whatever. And whether you believe it or not, it made me see the towers again collapse. And I only saw them once the first time on TV. Never, never revisited the situation. So I looked into this video, opened my eyes to possibilities that maybe my government lied to me. And then when I got to the Marine Corps, I went to Italy for a few weeks to visit my family there. Then I went right into a, a community college and I started doing philosophy and started questioning reality. And all of it was paid for by the GI Bill because remember, I stayed in for a year and a half. Uh, okay, so uh, but you right here, and that's okay. So that's interesting. So you did get that. I mean, at least there's yeah. that. But uh, yeah. you you right. I dropped and I think out twice. Is... <laughs> I dropped. I, I never finished it. Yeah. Well, I but know anyway. that you had a lot of a lot of struggles when you got back. Yes, and, and the, perhaps the we can touch on that briefly yeah, because yeah. I, I certainly want to get to in the in the second half of this interview your thoughts on the current conflicts from the perspective sure. of a former Marine. And I think, you know, when you have uh, people uh, like Mark Weber and Kevin McDonald, who I love, and they're both great friends of mine, and they have just incredible analysis on these situations. But, uh, you know, you have a completely different perspective that I think needs to be put into the mosaic here. But you write that you were honorably discharged as a corporal after four years of service. So <clears throat> we know you just shared with us you get to uh, boot camp in June of 2002 in South Carolina. Uh, you deployed valentine's day of 2003 two tours uh, in the middle east and you write that after four years of service honorably discharged as a corporal you leave the gates of camp lejeune for the last time you flip the bird at mm. the, the rearview mirror and shout at the top of your lungs with joy you were finally free you write from your bondage and nothing felt better so that is a that is a big turnaround from where you were in your mind uh, watching the towers come down uh, and to uh, just a short four years later, you, totally, totally different uh, mindset. Uh, again, elaborate a little bit more on how you made that transition. Well, I was disillusioned very quickly about the Marine Corps when I got in because the reason I got out as a corporal rather than a sergeant, which is expected, is because I actually got in trouble in Kuwait, right? So I was writing a letter to my girlfriend at the time. I said, look, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I drew like stick figures and we're going to make a bridge here. It was so stupid. It's so childish what I was doing. And instead of the guy saying, hey, Gage, what are you doing? Ripping it up and making me fill some sandbags. He brought it up to the sergeant and then he brought it up to the first sergeant. And his attorney brought it up to the colonel. I remember I graduated first in my class in engineer school and I was going to get meritorious Lance Corporal, meaning that they give it to you based on your skill rather than time and grade. So there's two ways to get promoted. You get promoted over time. You've been in for so long. Here's Sarge, right? Or you do so well and you excel, you actually get promoted quicker. So I was supposed to get meritorious Lance Corporal, but because I got in trouble for this stupid thing, which the colonel decided to use me as punishment and tell everyone, don't you ever ruin OPSEC again, you know, operational security. I was just an 18-year-old kid, like, being an idiot. Hey, girl, this is what we're going to do. 
stick figures, airplanes. Like I was trying to act cool for my girl or whatever. And uh, I got caught this letter and they should have shredded up. And instead they made an example of me. So I thought, wow, this is this whole brotherhood stuff is nonsense. Like, why didn't my boys take care of me? Why did they punish me for they took my weapon from me? They embarrassed me. Uh, this is before I invaded. So I realized that the Marine Corps was political. I was like, all right, this is so ever since that, I wanted to get out immediately. But I had I was stuck. You can't just quit. So you had a four year contract. So that's what broke my uh, illusion about the Marine Corps being this tight brotherhood that everyone loves each other. Now, some some of it's true, but you know, in the beginning, I got this taste of wow, this is nonsense because people want to get you know promoted faster, or they want to fall on the right side of the colonel or whatever the case. So anyway, that happened to me, and that broke my heart, but it also gave me a reality check. So that's why I graduated or I got out of the Marine Corps as a corporal because I got NJP'd. And when I got NJP'd, it was a non-judicial punishment. I lost one half's pay, one month's half pay, so two, a month pay, no payment, and I lost my meritorious lance corporal. So that kind of you know made me realize I got to get the hell out of this organization. Uh, so that's why when I flipped the bird, I was like, hell yeah, I'm out of here. Because it, was, it wasn't the worst experience of my life, but it was that part right there. I saw this is not true. Like This whole, the few, the proud, the Marines is all nonsense. And people warned me. I just I, bro, Listen, James, I didn't even see Full Metal Jacket or any Marine Corps movie before I went in. I had no idea what I was getting into. None whatsoever. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I had no clue what was going to happen in boot camp. Didn't know what was going on. Everyone warned me, don't go. But I was a patriot. I said, no, I have to fight these bad guys. So that's why I was so excited to get the hell out of the Marine Corps. Because of that reason, I got in trouble for something so stupid that could have been handled on the side. You see what I mean? I do see what you mean, and I am listening to this, as I'm sure everybody in the audience is listening to this, and I can't wait to hear more. When we come back in the next half hour, we're going to talk uh, with Lucas about the transition of uh, returning to civilian life, uh, and then his uh, takes on uh, the wars at hand now. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic guest. Learn more at lucasgage.com. We'll be right back. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. They might be coming out. Hamas is apparently holding off on releasing a second set of hostages today, saying Israel was not allowing enough aid trucks into Gaza. But now mediators say the situation has been worked out and Hamas will release 13 Israels and 7 foreigners in exchange for 39 Palestinians. Pope Francis cleared his calendar today. The Vatican says he is under the weather. He spent some time in the hospital after coming down with what the Vatican describes as a mild flu. The 86-year-old pontiff underwent a CAT scan of his lungs and officials say the results ruled out any respiratory problems. Back in April, the Pope spent three days in the hospital due to a bout with bronchitis. During that illness, the Vatican said he was having trouble breathing. Francis is scheduled to travel to Dubai on Friday for a conference on climate control and climate change. The Vatican has not said if plans have changed. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, convicted of killing George Floyd, has been stabbed in prison. Breaking news out of Arizona, where Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer, convicted of murdering George Floyd, stabbed in prison Friday. The Bureau of Prisons in a statement saying that Chauvin was stabbed by another inmate and seriously injured at the federal prison in Tucson. It's a medium security facility, Chauvin said to be in stable condition and is expected to survive. Google Maps is introducing a revamped color scheme with roadways now appearing in shades of gray 
instead of white and yellow. Parks and grassy areas are slightly brighter green, while water is now more of a turquoise blue. Despite mixed opinions about the new graphic, Google Maps has enhanced features, including additional information on electrical vehicle charging stations and improved search capabilities. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight for just $79.99. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each pure ground burger so you can sample all the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $20 off the burger perfection flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. Ladies and gentlemen, back uh, with you now, along with our featured guest uh, of the evening, Lucas Gage, lucasgage.com. And um, he's got a fantastic synopsis of his life up until this point. He and I are in the same season of of life, both in our uh, early uh, 40s and uh, with uh, kids at home and in tow and took a somewhat different path, I guess you could say, I mean, to say the least, but uh, we arrived at some of the same conclusions, and that's how we got to know each other uh, some years ago. But he writes at his website that uh, the return to civilian life uh, would prove difficult. Uh, Reading now from his biography, within months of being home, uh, I began to experience symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Uh, This affected uh, my personal relationships and several other facets of my life. It also Uh, manifested into a loss of interest in all matters, which led to a deep depression and a lack of focus and discipline. Uh, Lucas, you write that uh, you had a 3.83 GPA. You got accepted into Rutgers, but uh, you kept having trouble there at school, dropping out twice. Things only became worse after learning. And I think this is very important and vital for the audience to hear that the entire war and my service were based on lies. This is what you write. I was also unable to maintain my job. For, or maintain a job for any meaningful amount of time. This led me to escape that reality by living a pleasure-seeking, hedonistic lifestyle. So this is uh, your your post-war years in uh, yeah. the mid-2000s. Yeah. So, yeah, I did well in school. And the thing is, uh, every once I hit May of the second semester, I'd drop out. In fact, I, I went back, got my grades forgiven, like, oh, all withdrawals, and I did the same exact courses again, and then I dropped out again. <laughs> so I knew for a fact, but Rutgers accepted me there because I did well, but I just, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a slave to the system anymore. And I had this yearning to learn the truth. And so 
you know, as you mentioned, it was hard on my life with women and stuff. I'd be like a party maniac, hedonistic, going to the club because I missed college. You know, I did. I went right to the Marine Corps. It wasn't the Marine Corps was not the best place to go. So I was chasing women at the clubs and I was a club promoter and I was hedonistic and all that. And but at the same time, I had this yearning to learn the truth. So I was also learning about conspiracy theories and I went through all of them. I mean, aliens, lizards. But the funny part is the one guy who woke me up was David Icke when he mentioned Rothschild Zionism. And I looked into this, and so around 2012, I was reading every book I could read with David Duke's Jewish Supremacism, Kevin McDonald's Culture Critique, you name it, I read it. And eventually I learned about what was going on with these banker people, and then I said, oh, that's pretty crazy. Well, but then I realized this anti-white racism was still going. So I said, what's this attack on white people? You know, all this stuff in history is pretty interesting, but now there's something going on here. So imagine you learn the war is fake, based on, not fake, it's a real war based on lies. You're betrayed by your government. You start questioning religion, and then you wake up to this whole world of who are the bad guys promoting this hatred against your people. And so I had to become an activist, and therefore I became this pro-white activist where I went on this white voice show, and I made this video called, uh, you know, Wake Up to White Jenna. It went viral. David Duke caught of it. All these other people from all the scenes caught it. Come on the show. Come on that show. I went on everywhere because I'm a former Marine waking up, and, and everyone's excited about it. So I did this activism for a long time. I actually became a chairman of this group called National Youth Front. And we focused on exposing anti-white hatred on college campuses. Now, of course, me doing this, I was labeled a Nazi, anti-Semite, Jew hater, white nationalist, white supremacist, whatever you call it, right? By the ADL, SPLC. So my name started to get tarnished with these people. Even though all my group did was go around the colleges like Rutgers University, uh, Boston University, wherever these teachers existed, and just pointed out, hey, this person's anti-white. And we put a poster of their face and said anti-white, and we get some press, and then it would go into the news cycle. And then, but at the time, James, the word anti-white wasn't even in the mainstream media yet, right? A, a few yeah. of us would say in our circles, we'd push it. Now, it's everywhere. Critical race right. theory is anti-white. So it was the stepping, stepping stones to this bigger awakening throughout the years. So I did that for a while, but then I stepped down because my wife was pregnant. So I did nine months with this National Youth Front. But by then, I already pissed off the powers that be. <laughs> and so, you know how that works. Uh, name is slandered forever. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, so, you know, when uh, eventually years, I did my own thing for a while. I tried different groups, didn't work. And, you know, I never was like a white supremacist. I never was that kind of guy. But I, I was talking to different kinds of people, trying to figure out where I belong. And so one of the reasons why now I'm exploding is because I'm actually on my own. But before we get into that, I uh, was d doing different things, and then eventually um, the the whole Twitter ban came by. I think it was 2020 where everyone got nuked off YouTube, off Twitter, everything. So yeah. I got destroyed from that, and then I kept pushing on Gab, but then I started realizing I'm just talking to myself, and I hit this like midlife crisis where I snapped and I got really depressed, and I said to my wife, you know, i got to start a new life. So this Angelo John Gage character, who did good work, and I don't regret it, and I don't hide it. I didn't get facial surgery. <laughs> so this is, said, this is your birth name, Angelo John Gage. That's uh, my birth name, uh, but now my name is legally Lucas Gage. I literally changed it because I said to my wife, I'll step away from this political career, quote-unquote, and start a new life writing books about self-help and something like this. And that's what I tried to do. I tried to get away. I really did. Not that I gave up on my people or something like this or whatever. No, no, I understand. It's just, it's just that I said I, I, I never... James, I never took a break. You know, my friend's like, bro, just take a break. I was like, yeah, I'll take a break. I just got, I got away from it, deleted my gab and just tried to go away. And uh, what happened was I changed my name. I felt great. I kind of found a center. I did some meditation. I read some books on philosophy, stoicism, Tao Te Ching, all this weird stuff. Alan Watts is one of my favorites. 
and I found this piece. I said, you know, I've been fighting this war literally, physically, and against this parasite class that's attacking us for so long. I never took a break, so I had this break, and it improved my marriage, even though my wife is such a great woman. Nothing bad was happening between us, but I, I wasn't there. I wasn't present in the moment. My son said to my wife, why is daddy always mad? And I said, I'm not mad in front of him, but he goes, wife goes, he could see you're depressed through your face. That's when I realized I got to get away from this stuff. So I did, took a break, changed my name, and said, I'll start my life over. And then the Ukraine war started, and I said, damn it, I can't just sit here and say nothing, but I didn't do anything. I said nothing. So... Eventually, I said, I have to say something. I told my wife, there's no way I can't say anything. I have to say something. She goes, okay. My friend Maram, partisan girl, Syrian girl, her name is, she's a big influencer. Yeah, sure. I made a video for two minutes. And so she says, you know, she says, Lucas, if this, uh, if I post this, it's going to go viral. Are you sure you want to do this? Because then you're going to get sucked back in with your new name. I said, just do it. And that's exactly what happened. It went viral. And it got caught. Uh, this guy, Clayton Morris from Redacted, big channel. Hey, come on the show, talk about it. And I, that's what happened. I, I got right back into this anti-war movement. And well, tell, here I am tell again. us, uh, Lucas, tell us, uh, we, we've, we've got about two minutes before our next break, maybe yeah. a little less than that. Tell us what you said in this video that put you right back smack dab in the middle of the that spotlight. I was a veteran of the war. And this is the same lies they're using for the, they did weapons of mass destruction. They, it's the same script, but different. It's the same people using a different script. Rather, it's the same script, the same people, but different character, different uh, form of script. But it's the same lies to be pushed in Ukraine-Russia war. So I said this, and I explained how it is, and people were like, he's right. And it just went viral all over the place. Being, again, the Marine Corps thing, once again, helping me push my message. So the Marine Corps was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but then at the same time, it was the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> so no, it's, it's blessing interesting, in disguise. Isn't it? it is. It very much is. So so I came back, and I, was, I became viral again, the spotlight on me. This time as Lucas Gage, some people remembered it was, hey, it's you. I go, yeah, it's me. What's up with the name? I legally, I tried to quit. I, li I literally tried to move on my life. <laughs> let these Zoomers, hey, let the Zoomers save the world, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's, I guess, uh, God or whatever doesn't have, a, he has another plan for me. And, and this time I return, I'm way more effective because and I've gotten... total, and, and, and to be clear, I mean, you changed your name to step away, to focus on your family, not because you had yeah. recanted anything. No, no, I never recanted. Sort of exactly. Woke. In fact, the, Right. So the thing is, James, is that I don't recant anything. In fact, all the things I went through made me who I am today. What happened was when I got away, I cleared up all the anger, frustration, and I wouldn't call it hatred because I don't hate anybody. But whatever that feeling is, that negativity that was draining my soul, I got rid of it. So now I'm saying the same exact stuff, but without any anger. And I'm just like, to me, it's, it's, it's working much better because I'm more centered. I'm not depressed. I'm not angry about it. And I offer peace and love to everyone. It's not my fault they don't take it. So my approach is much more superior. And that's why, as you mentioned, I'm almost at 200,000 followers on, on, on uh, X. Huge following, yeah. But saying the same thing, but just saying it better, saying it with love rather than hatred and anger and frustration, which people can feel. Well, you, you know, know of course, Lucas, uh, age has a way of uh, refining oh, yeah. things and, sure. and bettering things. And, you know, we certainly do things better now. Or people who are progressing normally in life are doing things better at 40 than they could have done them right. when they were 20. Right. So this is important. But I'm at your Twitter page right now, or X, <laughs> excuse me, at Lucas underscore Gage underscore. Uh, we'll get that posted up on the website, folks. But uh, right, say United States Marine Corps veteran, husband, father, author, philosopher, America First patriot, free speech absolutist. He has a book at LucasGage.com, Thoughts and Reflections on Life uh, by, of course, Lucas Gage. And uh, we are going to take this floater if we haven't missed it yet. 
in the studio. Uh, we will take this one. Uh, but uh, when we come back, uh, we are going to talk with Lucas about his, uh, well, I guess we don't really need to ask you your thoughts on the current conflicts, but I do have several questions uh, that are going to hit very close uh, at home to that topic. Uh, I don't want to say we've saved the best for last because this has been a fantastic opening hour of our Christmas season with Lucas Gage, uh, but we've got some interesting questions that he will have uh, wonderful answers for from his very unique perspective. Stay tuned. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T dot com. MericaFirst.com. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. In the medical field, IT security is crucial. Our highly skilled consultants are HIPAA certified and have 20 plus years of experience servicing medical clinics, billing and supply companies. We offer comprehensive endpoint protection, guarding your computers and servers against all stages of threats. And with our 24-7 monitoring services, you'll never worry about extensive downtime again. Ready to level up your IT support? Call 801-706-6980 today and discover how great IT services can be with managed IT services. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, James Edwards, Keith Alexander. He is here. He's just listening. He's been listening intently to Lucas Gage, as uh, everybody has, I'm sure. And I want to talk. I mean, listen, we've covered uh, the uh, background of our guest, how, what his decision uh, that led him into joining the United States Marine Corps, what happened over the course of his four-year career uh, that, uh, began to change his mind and then the continuing evolution in his search for truth in his post-war years and uh, how he arrived uh, here with us this Thanksgiving weekend 2023. 
Uh, I would ask you, Lucas, of course, your your take on the uh, conflicts in Israel and in the middle uh, the Eastern Europe. But I think we pretty much understand that. And that is, of course, it's the same old thing, different players, uh, different location. But it's the same script, the same people pulling the strings. You touched on that earlier. And we might circle back to that. But I want to ask you just a couple of questions here that I think the audience would really appreciate your your particular answer on. And that is you uh, had the military experience. And you came out of it, and you found the truths that we are discuss, uh, discussing tonight. And uh, how many people do you think uh, of uh, of our kind, how many white young men go into the military and have a similar evolution? Uh, I, I know everyone I serve with who knows and still talks to me has awakened to what I'm saying. Uh, so I, that I can, I can tell you personally. Uh, but most of us go in there having no idea what the hell's going on. Of course, uh, if we knew, if I knew what my country would have turned into 20 years later, I would have never signed up. Uh, to what ex <laughs> well, yeah, no, yes, of course. Yeah, I, I, we say that and we say that all the time. I mean, there are just wars. I mean, certainly we are anti these wars that uh, we that they have none of America's interest. Uh, it doesn't take away the valor, the gallantry of the soldier. But my God, I mean, what punishment should should be meted out to those who have uh, uh, unnecessarily put uh, people like you in into this meat grinder. Uh, how difficult it is it now, Lucas, for a normal, straight, conservative white guy to even get in the military? Well, I'm sure it's not that hard to get in to be used as cannon fodder, but they have to go now through the sensitivity training, and it's got to be like <laughs> you know transgenderism. It's a complete joke. And what I what I've looked into is that they're having a very hard time recruiting people now. Nobody wants to fight for this country. I mean, what is what is what is America anyway? What, what is this country at this point? We're getting statues melted down. Everyone's changing their school names. Everyone's mad at each other. We don't know what genders are anymore. Like, this is not even what it was 20 years ago. It's literally that different. And I can't imagine what a World War II veteran looks at our country and thinks of himself. God you, almighty. You think they would have they would have turned those Higgins boats around. They wouldn't even have stormed the beaches of Normandy. Can you I imagine hope. going to fight Hitler and then 10 years later being called Nazis? <laughs> it just makes no sense. <laughs> That's what I, I always tell people. If I went back in time with a phone and said, hey, guys, good news. Where are you from? The future. Uh, well, here's the good news. You're going to win the war. Yay. The bad news is in 20, 30 years, you're going to be called Nazis and everything you believe in your country, everything to be destroyed completely by this globalism that you're fighting right now. That's so they exactly turned those right. Boats. They would have turned those boats around. They would have been no World War II. You'd like to think. I'd like to hope. Well, yeah, Keith. Yeah, right. Well, Lucas, this is Keith Alexander. I, close, close, my close. father was in World War II in uh, Patton's Army. Third Army, and uh, he did what you did. He was in the Engineer Corps. Mm -hmm. But he told me specifically, he said he was going to whip my ass if I uh, got in the uh, military during Vietnam because he said this is ridiculous. He said we're just like uh, hired mercenaries to be there. Right. He said we had yeah. no interest there. You know, Lucas, it's interesting what Keith's saying here because, you know, all of the Army recruitment ads for the last several years have been – black women and homosexuals yep, and you know whatever the the, the coalition <laughs> yeah. of the other uh but then now that they, there's a <laughs> that they need some people to get in there uh, did you have you seen the new uh, uh I, I don't know if it's people. army or marines but yeah, yeah they're 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 focusing on white able-bodied men yep get those get those white goy in there to fight for israel because that's what it is you know they, they they sit around oh transgenderism da, da, and then it's really time to get serious you got to get all these poor white kids to die for this country which hates them the country hates them. Why would they fight? I mean, this is, makes no sense. Like I said, great question. I would have never, ever signed up. And people ask me, should I sign up? I say, no, 
But if you insist on it, get something like the Coast Guard, get an MOS where you could take into the military, uh, take out of the military, like an engine, be an electrician or something or IT guy or so. Don't don't ever go into infantry. Don't because I was Mr. Ura. I wanted to be a sniper. But the Marine Corps puts you where they want you. You know what I mean? But I wanted to go in there and fight bad guys. But if someone insists on going to military, I said, listen, go into the Coast Guard, something local where you won't get deployed and get a job like a mechanic or something, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, James. I would never I, I tell people do not sign up anywhere but because what are they going to fight for? You're not fighting for anything. Literally nothing at all. You're fighting for these bankers. Well, wars. And by the way, one of the books I read when I got out was uh, Smedley Butler's um, War is a Racket. He was a, he was a Marine Corps yes. general. It's a 12-page book, if you want to call it that, a pamphlet. And he says, it's a racket. We were basically hired gangsters for big capital. That's what we were. Good on and you that, for that, bringing that, up the name of Smedley yeah, Butler. Smedley tonight. Butler was between World War One and World War Two. He had served yeah. in World War yeah. One. This is Keith Alexander, by the way, uh, Lucas. Yeah, Keith, Good to have you on you, the man. show. Absolutely. You're the only man, and Lucas, you're the only guest in 20 years that kept Keith not that we don't appreciate his uh, wonderful contributions to the show, but to, for Keith not to say a word the first 30 minutes, that's a rare guest. You've enjoyed it tonight, Keith. Yeah, well, I, I really was interested in what he would have to say because my father's outlook, he was in Patton's Army, had a Bronze Star and all of this type of stuff, but he said there's no reason in the world for us to be involved in either World War One or World War Two. He said right. we were so blessed by Providence to have two large moats called the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean protecting us and a polar ice cap, he said, whenever we get into any foreign war, which is directly contrary to George Washington's advice to the nation in his farewell address. That's correct, 100% He said, true. we're just absolutely being used. He said, we are, someone wants to use our wealth and our manpower, and they don't have our best interests at heart. And, and he was very adamant about that. This was back yep. in the 60s. Well, uh, right. Lucas... Let me ask you one quick off question, offhand question, and then we'll get to where we're going and what you see, how you see things playing out over the course of the next uh, couple of years. Which is going to be a, next year is going to be one for the books in America, man. But um, what about this new army policy? You know, I know you didn't have to uh, deal with this. Thank God, back in uh, the mid two thousands when you were in the. Uh, uh, in the service, but uh, this new, I, I, I don't know if it's Army or military policy, uh, this whole thing with COVID, you know, anybody that wasn't getting the vaccine was scum of the earth, but now join up and no vaccine required for the United States and military. Come back, all is forgiven. <laughs> right, yeah. It's Fired funny. you I before, mean, but now come back, all is forgiven. Yeah, that just goes to show how much uh, nonsense that narrative was. That that COVID narrative woke a lot of people up too, by the way. Uh, unfortunately, when I was in the service, I got anthrax and smallpox injections, so... Hopefully that was because uh, they thought, you know, Saddam had weapons of he had anthrax, but he didn't. But, uh, yeah, I, of course, it's nonsense. It's all contradictory not, just to get people to sign up. But they're, again, they're having a very difficult time. There was actually a letter that was uh, leaked to like uh, an Iran newspaper that said, like, you know, we're really having hard times convincing these kids to go fight in the Middle East because of Israel. The, the, the word Israel actually came up because people are realizing, what are we there for? And, you know, Trump actually mentioned it. He's like. We're in there for Israel. What are they supposed to leave? Like he, he, he Trump was the one president who just said things he's not supposed to say out loud. <laughs> we're taking yeah, the that's oil. Right. That, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> why we got in World War One too. We were basically uh, the the Jewish uh, leadership. The lobbies, yeah. said said mm -hmm. that um, you know don't uh, in 1916 Britain was about to negotiate for peace because they were worn out uh, yeah. militarily, uh, financially, and every other way. And world Jewry said, "Don't do it." You can win this. We can get America into the war. 
yep. but it'll cost you. And they said, well, what is, is it going to cost? I said, well, you need to allow us after the war, the Ottoman Turks control Palestine, to come yep. in there and uh, freely immigrate with the idea of eventually having a Jewish nation. If you do that, we'll bring America into the war. And that's mm -hmm. how it happened. Well, look, it's a quick question before we run out of time. And my God, how fast this hour has gone. I say it a lot. I always mean it, but I, I mean it again. Um, but we, we got a lot going on right now. Uh, Eastern Europe, uh, America's obviously already engaged in that in a proxy type capacity. Uh, the, the Middle East, I mean, Israel's pulling the, the leash on the Republican Congress. And uh, what, what, what's next year look like with regards to war? We got about a minute to go. I mean, I, I, Ukraine Russia war, I called it from the start. Ukraine has no chance. Of course, the Doolins and the Blinkens and the Zelenskys are all the same kin, the same tribal people pushing these wars. For not for our benefit. America has no, we have no reason to be in Ukraine, none whatsoever. But these special interests, you know, uh, they're always the same. Well, same these neocon driven wars, and Correct. you were in them yep. too. Lucas, you know, the exactly. wars. That's why All those I had to wars say in something. the Middle East just happened to be in the vicinity of Israel. What a coincidence. <laughs> right. Everything that Israel wants, our enemies are our are, are enemies magically. And then, so Russia, Ukraine, it's a mess. Uh, I think Russia is going to come out. I think everyone knows Ukraine, Ukraine cannot win. Now, the Israel uh, Gaza thing, which I think was allowed to happen on October 7th, Bibi Netanyahu had losing support. And now he's got all of Israel behind yeah, him to right. eliminate the Palestinians once and for all. I mean, even Israelis, like, there's no way they got over that wall without knowing. There's no way that happened. It's like our 9-11. There's yeah. no way it happened without something. And he was warned. So that's all politics. And you can go down that rabbit hole. But, uh, again, it's going to be very bad for the Palestinians. But I'll tell you what. The, I've never seen so many people wake up so damn fast about Israel. I, I've yes. I mean, it has oh, been. Yeah, I, yeah I, that is. It's and, been an incredible and thing. I have a theory about that since too, October. Lucas. I think it's because of the Internet. We didn't have, of course, the Internet it's back yeah, of course, in uh, yeah. Vietnam and things like that. So there was mm -hmm. no alternative source of information. Now there's yep. plenty of alternatives and people are rising up. And people like myself who are fighting the narrative in real time, debunking the 40 Jewish beheaded babies and all the propaganda. It's even accelerating it. Even yeah, social media has been big. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. and then the, of course, the, you know, there's a whole global community that sees Israel for what it is outside of uh, it's, 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 uh, American it's all, media. But it's all the same, uh, you know, procedure. You know, in the 40 beheaded babies reminds me of the Belgian babies that were being tossed up in bayonets, yeah, supposedly yeah, by the exactly. German troops. No propaganda yeah. like war propaganda, that's for yeah. sure. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it has been remarkable, Lucas, uh, the extent to which Israel has started to lose the narrative in spite of so much media control. The last two months have not been good. But then uh, we sign, find out just exactly how sold out our Republican representatives exactly. and Congress and that's are to Israel. Thing too. That's yeah, they were going to be anti-war, not fund Ukraine. But then uh, when that leash got yanked, <laughs> they, uh, they, right. they sat in, uh, in, in, uh, at full attention. Well, anyway, folks, you can learn more and follow the work of Lucas Gage. LucasGage.com. Find him on X. Uh, just type in Lucas Gage, I'm sure, uh, with his following. Lucas He'll be the first name that comes up. Underscore, yeah. That's, That's it. Uh, Lucas, thank you again. I hope you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving. You'll have an even better Christmas. Let's stay in touch and do this again soon. Really enjoyed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you very much, James and Keith. Honored to be here. and Good to talk to you guys again. Always good oh. to talk to you. And uh, we will do it again soon. Lucas Gage, everybody, the one and only. My goodness. Uh, that's, that's the kind of testimony we need. And that's the kind you'll get here on TPC. We'll be right back.